no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the 40 Yard Switch. As always, I am your host, Jasper Woody Woodson. Uh, this is episode 94. As I'm pretty sure I'm losing track at this point. Huge. Uh, but as you just heard there, I'm not joined by uh, Wilbur Kudelux, uh this week. I am joined once again by the ever-dependable uh, substitute, uh, Max Rezik. Welcome back. Thanks, Jasper. What did you do for the 50th? Anniversary. I have no idea. Are you going to do something for the 100th? You should do like a video. Yeah, no, there may or may not be a uh, new logo coming out. Oh, <laughs> that's the 100th uh, and the then, celebration. And I'm hoping by the time we release the 100th, um, the season's finished so we can do like end of season awards. And Yeah, that's awesome. You should do a video. And I probably, do... I probably want to do some like sort of ranking tier list, some sort of viral shit, you know. You should go back and do like your top five favorite episodes of the 100. Yeah, true. And like play the best clips of them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that'll be hard to go through. But yeah, I'll, I'll give it a crack. I, just, I can definitely remember episodes being good, but like listening back through them is always, always... Maybe hard. you should... Um, it's a hard listen, that's Maybe you sure. should get a special guest like, um, I don't know, Max like Rezik. Thierry Henry <laughs> yeah. or Wayne Rooney or something. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just hit him on speed. <laughs> just Twitter. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, plenty to get through this week. Um, another dramatic week in the Premier League. Uh, and uh, looking ahead at the end of the episode, we'll look ahead to midweek next week when the Champions League semi-finals kick off, which will be uh, two very tasty matchups for different reasons. Um, but we'll kick it off with the thing or the the storyline that we allu- that we sort of were previewing at the end of last episode, which was just before uh, Man City played Arsenal in the league. That seems like a whole lifetime away now, but it was only a week and two days ago. Uh, but uh, long story short, Man City dominate Arsenal 4-1 um, and have since won a game in hand, which takes them uh, ahead in the title race. Um, yeah, look, Rezik didn't watch this game. He was uh, seeing uh, Fatboy Slim play live, Damn right live and exclusive at Revs. Uh, initially, I flamed him for it, being like, you're a fake fan. But then looking back on it, I'm like, I remember in the morning being like, man... Kind of wish I was <laughs> yeah, still in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Dreaming. Well, kind of wish I went on a fat boy slim last night. Because yeah, not great viewing if you're an Arsenal fan. The game was really over like ten minutes in, um, and I, like yeah, you could say Arsenal didn't rock up, and they didn't. Um, like like, and like you, your big game players, uh, you know, that you'd want to show up and prove that they're world class didn't quite show up, which is probably like. Like someone on AFTV made a good point that like Arsenal have no world class quote unquote mm. players yet because those seven players step up. We've got world class potential players, Saka, Odegaard. I shit you not, I took that exact same line in my notes. I'll throw it to you in just a second. But Man City do have two world class players in De Bruyne and Haaland, and they showed up and pretty much ran the show. De Bruyne especially, a mm. uh, De Bruyne masterclass. And yeah, like while we didn't necessarily show up, I can't be too mad because I think City on that day would have beaten any team in the world. Agree. And I thought it was interesting looking at the team stats the next morning of, okay, shots, City 14, Arsenal 8, shots on target, City 9 of their 14, which is incredible, to Arsenal's two shots on target of 8. Possession, 
52-48 City's way. Passes, pretty interesting. City 4-9-6 to Arsenal's 4-5-7. Pass accuracy, 85% versus 84%. 13 fouls apiece. City only had one corner to our three. So on paper, other than shots, which is obviously where it counts and where City it looks is so even, crucial. But like, yeah, like, I feel like more and more stats like that can never really show the tail of the Well, tape. it can't because it was 4-1 and the game was over in 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Like, that's the difference. But when you look at it on paper, it's kind of surprising considering how poorly Arsenal played and how dominant Man City were. You wouldn't think that. Yeah. Whereas usually in games like this, you can look at these stats and go, oh, wow. It was end-to-end. It was yeah. end-to-end. But I think you're right. Like there was so much optimism and talk about how we wanted the team to play with bravery, no fear. You know, Arteta saying the right things, and we just unfortunately didn't see any of that. You know, watching the game on replay, emphasis on replay, because I was still out when the game was on. We didn't see any of it. You know, the amount of times, the perfect example for me was the amount of times we went long from Ramsdale kicking out from a goal kick, which indicates that. In my eyes, we weren't being brave and clearly not following our game plan because we haven't done that all season. Yeah. Because by doing that, we know that we aren't going to win the aerial threat. Like we've got Jesus on Diaz, like good luck. And then you've got what Martinelli on Ake. Like, come on, like you're not going to win this and you're just giving the ball back to City. And you had a Kanji on the, at the other fullback yeah. who's also a centre-back. So to me, that's like a perfect example of how Arsenal... Were, were, were essentially just scared and they didn't bring it. They weren't brave. They didn't play with no fear and unfortunately it was it looked like an Arsenal team that hasn't played it looks like Arsenal team from the past rather than the mm. team that we've seen this season I would say I would say yeah in the essence that like there was no sort of spark and bravery yes but I, the one thing that I was sort of like not overly mad about is there was no like in past Arsenal performances against big teams or even against City earlier this season mm. there was like clear mistakes that two clear mistakes that you can pinpoint to City goals the Tommy Asu back pass that yep. De Bruyne scores from and then Gabriel giving the ball away in midfield which it ends up um, being a guy I can't remember I think someone scores from um, and so you're like okay there is why, there, there's where we lost it because we scored a goal they scored a goal and then we gave, we gave them two goals but there, in this moment there wasn't really in any of the four goals maybe that you could have said some, there's some better defending could have happened in some of them but there's no like wow that was terrible in any of the goals it was no. just like the first goal amazing first touch and flick on from Haaland and then De Bruyne one on one against anyone like that yeah, in the world class score. Uh, the free kick I mean it's a great ball from De Bruyne and like you know Ben White's legs being in a ridiculously awkward position somehow made that onside um, and then the, fourth, the, the the third goal is just a brilliant counter. Like, that's just Haaland and De Bruyne playing off each finest. other. And then the last goal is poor defending. Yeah. Like, but, like, by then the game's gone. It's the 94th minute. Like, what are you going to do? Haaland tears down. He's probably, like, you know, it's got in someone's eyes. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I guess I, there was a lot of hope and optimism. But I think also me and you, in our heart of hearts, we knew it was coming based on the three results beforehand. Yeah, like that. those three... But there's two ways of looking at it, right? Like even Guardiola said this, and I think he's genuine when he says it. He would have rather Arsenal had won those games rather than coming into it because a team like Arsenal at the top of the league who's had a, had draws against, what, both Southampton and West Ham mm. prior to this... Even the Liverpool one. Like, I don't know it's Anfield, but we had that game. Exactly. And, and then you come into this, you'd assume that we would be more hungry, looking for it more playing with that heart but unfortunately we had the same morale and approach as we had to the two games prior which we should have picked up three points each yeah and also it also just means like that game it didn't feel like it meant as much because of the draws because we kind of had this impending sense of doom and also it meant that like because like 
if we had have picked up at least two wins out of mm. those three games against Liverpool, um, Southampton, and West Ham, then the the even if we lost against City, like it it, it meant that they could it, it made it really interesting. But if we won, it was like okay, holy holy shit, we could do this. But even but if they won, it was like okay, yeah, we're a little bit on the back foot now, but like it's still anything to play for. Now we like. I, yeah, it still technically is anything to play for. City very well, made, like you know, football's a crazy game. City could slip up, but it doesn't. It has this sort of impen- this feeling like it's over. Yeah, definitely. Because at the end of the day, Man City's team is full of international players, world class players who have you know expensive players who have done it on the biggest stages. Whereas mm. Arsenal's average age is what twenty one point three years or something, and this is probably the biggest match that a lot of these players have had in their entire lives. And this is why. You know, we went with this game plan. We trusted the process because we wanted a team to be able to compete at this level, but they're still not there. And I think we're not, as much as we want them to be there and they've showed it throughout the entire season, the real squad depth to me is a massive difference between where Arsenal is uh, compared to world-class teams like Madrid, like City, like Bayern, because they have the squad depth. They play in three different competitions at the same time. And to me, if anything, it indicates how impressive and incredible Arsenal season has been up until this point. Yeah. Up until this point, because as much as other clubs want to shit on Arsenal for being, you know, first for two hundred and something days compared 47. to City, <laughs> yeah, they, thank you. It's because of our season and our magical run that Man City aren't playing their, you know, reserve squad at this point, for, and they're still actually putting out their best eleven for the last games of the season. So at least we've kept it competitive. Yeah, and I, I was going to say a very similar thing. I think squad depth is. Maybe not not necessarily this game, because I think even if we had Saliba and whoever else, they probably still would have beat us. Yeah. But the title race in a whole, and especially the game since Saliba went down, and Tommy Asu went down, because like I, I think not some people don't also realize this is like Saliba went down, yes, but also Tommy Asu going down meant that we couldn't play Ben White at centre back, which meant that we had to play Rob Holding. Mm. Um, and like I like Rob Holding, I think he's fine rotational piece in cup games and the odd league game against you know Leeds or something like that. Not against Man City, but not for an extended run of games when you're trying to win a title, and especially not against Man City. Um, so yeah, it just shows you like Man City played four centre backs against us, and they they have full backs they could have played, and like those four centre backs have all deputised in in defence in the centre of defence at some point this season, and they even didn't play one of them. Because I think they played uh, Stones, Diaz, Akanji, Ake, and, okay. and America Laporte wasn't even on the pitch. And that's five very, very good centre-backs. World-class You, could, class uh, you could argue two or three of them are world-class. I'd argue John Stones is almost there, and I'd, I'd say America Laporte is, is, is thereabouts. Ruben Diaz is, is close, and Akanji and, Akanji and Ake are very good. And then you look at Arsenal, they've got Gabriel and William Saliba, and then after that it's Rob Holding and Jacques Kivio. <laughs> Uh, and you got Ben White, yes, he's very good, but he's been playing right back all season. So like, it just shows you that like, and like the, the like one of the points was I was gonna make is like everyone's saying, and you've said this too, everyone's like, oh, Arsenal bottled it, you know, ahead for two hundred and forty-seven days, and like, and like, yes, to a point we have. There's no denying like that is that is what people talk about when they say it's a bottle job. But I don't think that people are now saying that this Arsenal season is, is season is a no. failure because of. The fact that we've, you know, quote unquote, bottled the league because if and like if if you had have offered any Arsenal fan the the scenario that you'll be toe and toe, neck and neck with City in a title race for the entire season, because I do believe we will push them till the final day, uh, we, and and you end up finishing second. Every Arsenal fan under the sun would have taken that. 
considering where we were last year, how we bottled the Champions League. And like, I know people can say, oh, you're just you're just saying that now to justify bottling the league. It's like, yes, yeah, so what? That was like that. I've, I'm on record saying the Champions League was the goal at the start of this season. I completely like, on agree. this podcast. So I'm not going to be mad about it. No, I completely agree. If you told any Arsenal fan at the start of the season we'd be in this position, they'd call you crazy. And I'd go further than that and say, if you asked any of the top six Premier League teams, would you want to be in this position by the end of the year? They'd go, absolutely. Like, when's the last time other than Liverpool with their dominant team and maybe the best team that they've had in you know 10 plus years with Salah? They're not even in this position. Yeah. So I think it goes beyond Arsenal. If anything, I'd say at the start of the season, you would have put at least four or five teams potentially above Arsenal, including Tottenham on paper and where you think they're going to finish. And to think that Arsenal was the one who's still battling it out in, in some sense is the only team yeah. pushing City at this point. Everyone is remarkable. Had, yeah, everyone had Spurs, Chelsea and United all above us. Exactly. And then here we are pushing them to the brink. Who would have expected that? And I agree. Like Champions League would have, was the goal at the start of the season and I thought it was ambitious and here we are yeah. fighting for a Premier League. Yeah, and we, we locked up Champions League weeks ago. And again, these are the kind of experiences that these players are now going through as part of this Arsenal squad and the foundation of the Arsenal squad that's preparing them not to win the Premier League this season because I don't think even in Arsenal's strategy team and their footballing department, anyone in their wildest dreams would have thought we were in this position. But it's setting players like Saka up and Odegaard for that experience and those reps for when in next season, the year after that, when we get our money from the Champions League participation and we start signing those world-class players that next time we're in a position where we're you know, running against Man City for a title that... We don't lose 4-1 yeah. when it matters. I 100% agree. And like, Rome wasn't built in a day. And you look at the age of all of our quote-unquote star players. Exactly. They're all the age that... They're all the age or younger than um, the players that City now have were when they bought them. De- they bought De Bruyne when he was 25, I think. Mm-hmm. Erdegaard's 24. Like, they bought Mahrez when he was 25, 26. Saka's 21. You know what I mean? Like, these players are going to be... Like if if Arsenal can hold on to all of them, Saka, Martinelli, Gabriel, Saliba, Erdegaard, um, and so forth, like, and then you know they're potentially looking to bring in bring in Declan Rice. These are players that will keep Arsenal in the ascendancy, hopefully, for the next eight to ten years. Well, I think that's, that's what the thing. plan is. And you know, even bringing up City for a second, their best players now. To be fair, yes, they were competing on the world stage at their previous clubs, but they didn't have like. Champions League glory they weren't winning titles and players that come to mind are like Kevin De Bruyne like yes he was world class but he hadn't like won trophies on a world stage players like Ruben Diaz who... I'd argue that he wasn't quite world class yet when City yeah. bought him he was, he was he was in the ascendancy to be yeah. there but like Pep Guardiola turned him into a exactly and the same for players like Ruben Diaz right comes from Benfica to be one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League in this Man City team and why yes he was already going to be like he was on the ascendancy had that potential but it's getting put in that Man City system. And I really feel that Arsenal now, with this foundation and now this, the milestones that we've achieved and the um, success we've had this season, is we are slowly but surely building that same foundation when we bring these next sort of set of world-class players in. 100%. 100%. Um, so yeah, the fu- uh, disappointing, but the future's bright. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on before we move on is... Um, the treble seems to be well and truly on for City now, with the FA Cup final against United uh, at the end of the season, Champions League semi-final against Real Madrid. You think if they win that, mm. they'd probably win the Champions League. No disrespect to the two two Milan teams, but that's just that's just my the way you see it. And seemingly, unless a major slip-up happens, they would be get, uh, winning the league as well. Do you think they'll do it? 
I think it's totally in their hands. Like, to me, I actually think the Man United Man City FA Cup will be really, really like that'll be a great game. Like, it won't be anywhere near the magnitude of say Real Madrid Man City, which feels like a Champions League final rather than a semi final for the mm. reasons you've mentioned. But that champ that that FA Cup final at Wembley feels like it's a huge game for both teams. Oh, man. Because Man City, I mean, Manchester United, despite having a great season under Ten Hag, considering where they came from last season, right? They were last season's Chelsea is how I think about them. And not quite that bad. <laughs> they were, Yeah, they were bad with three managers and stuff. It seemed like more shambles. The results weren't as bad, but they felt like they were yeah. just as much Finishing shambles. Finishing six is like, yeah, exactly. in the manner that they finished. In there, aren't conversa- there weren't conversations last year that Man U were going to get relegated no. or like potentially like there are with Chelsea punters talking yeah. about it as a joke. I mean, it's not, it's still mathematically feasible. Yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) Whereas I think, yes, the treble is possible and they've set themselves up to win it, but it's a very difficult role. And if they get it, that is just another incredible achievement by this Man City squad. I would argue probably their most incredible achievement under Pep if they win. I would argue it's the greatest greatest Premier League team of all time. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Man United won the treble in 90, whatever, but I would argue this team would beat that team. Because they're beating Manchester United. And we know in the FA Cup, yes, it's still important, but it doesn't have the magnitude it had 20 years ago. Plus, Arsenal have beaten teams like Aston Villa recently. Some teams do end up squeezing through that realistically on skill really shouldn't shouldn't be there. there. But you're playing Man United, Man City, Manchester rivalry. That's a huge game if they win that. And then if you win the Champions League on top of it... They would have had to beat the best Champions League team of all time. You know, who have won what? I think it's like five in eight years or something ridiculous. And then the Premier League, well, you know, they've gone... neck and neck with Arsenal the entire season and in most leagues in most Premier League seasons the amount of points that both Arsenal and Man City are going to finish on is usually enough to win it yeah so that again I completely agree if they win the treble even if they win two out of three like unstoppable force yeah and an incredible oh incredible achievement I think two out of three incredible achievement and it's up there with one of the best teams of of, of Premier League history they win the treble for me and like I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think that's nailed on the best Premier League season and team we've seen. To do it across three fronts like that, and I mean, yeah, you've had the City 100-point season and stuff, but to, if, if they finally break through and win the Champions League and also win the FA Cup and the league, that is the, that's the best team since Barcelona in 9 or 10 or whatever. And I think, and I know we're going to touch on it later, so I'll just touch on it very briefly, but Haaland's first season... At Man City, oh. the potential that they win the treble, but also the fact that they've been led by this boy, this child, who's like years 21 old. years old, yeah. scoring 50 goals, and in the first season at Man City, he's going to potentially have a treble. Yeah, under well, his that, belt. that like that that was going to be later, but we can we can actually talk about it right now. It, it makes sense to talk about it right now. <laughs> it does. Um, since the Arsenal game, which he scored a goal, uh, I think that was to equal the record. He's now gone on and um, no, that was to that was to break the 30 the 38 game. Uh, season goal scoring record and then he went on and equaled the uh, 42 game goal scoring record against Fulham and then he's gone on and uh, he's gone on and scored against West Ham um, to break the 42 game goal scoring record previously held by and uh, Alan Shearer and Andy Cole so yeah in a 42 game season which is four games more than the current amount of games um, they had it had each had Cole and Shearer each had 34 goals in those seasons. Haaland now has 35 goals in 31 games. Uh, it's yeah, he's missed a couple of games through injury this season too, which is just ridiculous. Um, 
yeah, I, you run out of things to say about him, really. Uh, it's just He is really the perfect striker for the modern game. Like, if you're putting together things like touch, pace, speed, strength, like, it's hard to look past Haaland at any of those attributes. Yeah, and, like, he's, he's he, people were knocking on him uh, stupidly because people just find that something to hate about anything. But, like, despite all the goals he was scoring, people were knocking on him about, like, not having good link-up play or, like, lacking in yeah. assists or whatever. Clearly. He was amazing in that against Arsenal and seems to have gotten slowly better at it all season. Yeah, he has 50 goals and I think he has, has around 10 assists in all competitions this season. And like, we've been very lucky to be, I guess, you know, to be philosophical for a second, but to live in in our lifetime as soccer fans to watch what many would argue the two best players of all time mm-hmm. at their prime, being Ronaldo and Messi. You know, Ronaldo, generational talent, really changed the game. And Messi, you know, I don't think it's really arguable anymore, but really the best ever, particularly after his World Cup wing. And for a long time, kind of similar to tennis, we weren't sure who was going to really step up. And there was a stacked group, but not near the levels of, say, Ronaldo and Messi. And sort of that third player for a while was Neymar, particularly at Barcelona when it was MSN. But now Haaland's come on the scene and you can just go, he might break every record that Ronaldo, that Messi has and win just as many Champions League, if not more, and trophies. Like, yes, he won't win the World Cup, but that's not his fault playing for Norway. So, you know, greatest goal scorer of all time, I think that's how good he is. Like, yeah. he can potentially get there. He's, 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 he's got more goals at this age in his career than Ronaldo had at this age. I mean, yes, Ronaldo and Messi went on to score obscene amounts of goals in their mid-20s and, and early 30s. But who's to say that... Ha- like, this, is, this is the crazy thing. Like, Haaland could... Who's to say he can't get to those levels because he's this good at 21? And also, to, to like, there's been people in various sport media accounts and stuff um, since Mbappe's... Um, performance in the world oh, Cup i forgot final, about mbappe uh who say that mbappe is like better than harland and in some cases even say they say he's like substantially better than harland i think i i don't think he was ever that like, he may have been better than harland for a time but the gap was always very close and right now i would say i'm not even sure if there's a gap anymore if mbappe is even better because mbappe is amazing i'm not gonna fault that but Mbappe, until he does it in a harder league than the French league, I'm I'm not going to rate what he's doing over what Erling, ha- Erling Haaland is doing. In and yes, I'm not going to get into a debate about whether or not the Premier League is the best league in the world, but it is the most competitive league in the world, no doubt. And Erling Haaland is doing obscene things, and it's not like he Erling Haaland wasn't doing this in any other leagues he was playing for. He's done the same thing for Dortmund, the same thing for Salzburg. Um, yeah, it's just phenomenal. I think what's also you know something that's not talked about because there's so many things to talk about with Haaland is that you know, Guardiola's has had such a style, such a type of player. There's that particular mold of player that Guardiola has put into the Manchester City system and Haaland has come in and changed that entire, the t- entire composition of that team. You know, gone are the days that we had we, when you think of Man City, you think of those like small, technically gifted stars like David Silva, Bernardo Silva, Aguero. Whereas now you look at this team, who's, as we've discussed, potentially the best Premier League team ever, and it feels like no one's under six foot. They win every aerial threat, and they're led by Haaland at the front, scoring 50 goals a season. So I think that is also an incredible testament and point to make about Haaland, that he's gone into what was already one of the best teams ever, and made them even better. Yeah, and like people were saying that like City were kind of like worse because of him throughout the season because they because City A took a took time to adjust to playing with a new striker and B City do this every year they like they like have a little bit of faltering before Christmas and then after Christmas and then at, at, without fail with about ten to fifteen games to go 
at towards the end of the season. They hit their stride, and they've done it again this season. And like, it's yeah, it's just it's just crazy. Like people were ever saying that like Han was a problem at City because like yet again, as soon as they figured out how to play with a number nine. And even even when they were figuring it out, he was still scoring goals. And then as soon as they figured it out, everyone else started to play well as well. And yeah, it's just it's just with that idea of them turning it on. It's interesting you mention it. I think another big reason why City can always turn it on so well in the season and why it's so incredible that Liverpool have won like five or six straight is the fact that it comes to squad depth. Like it comes to both mentality and squad depth, and the fact that these players have been there before. Uh, but isn't it hilarious? I was thinking about this when writing notes, but the discussion at the start of the season where it was pretty 50-50 on who would have a bigger impact of Haaland and Nunes. I don't think it was ever 50-50, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, definitely, it was, like, it was definitely like, it, they were compared. I think unfairly so in Nunes's case because Haaland is obviously the better player. And here you are with Haaland scoring 50 yeah. goals. And I Nunes think what's funnier is bench. all the people, like the pundits, some, well, not all of them, but some of the pundits who were coming out and saying that like, remember that Rory Jennings guy who mm. was like, he if he gets fifteen goals this season it'll be an achievement. It's disrespectful to Kane does he win the golden boot and all that. He look and he's publicly apologized for it since, but like that was just that's that's looking like the worst take in some time. Modern football history. In modern football history. <laughs> uh but anyway. Uh Han's amazing. We digress, we'll move on. Uh the top four race, uh in 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 the past week and so has uh, heated up quite a bit. Uh, with United's injuries, they've had a couple of like uh, topsy-turvy results. They won 1-0 uh, against, I think it was Brentford or West Ham. And they lost 1-0 in dramatic fashion this morning. Um, they lost to Brighton. Brighton, yeah. yeah. So they've had uh, up and down results since losing Lissandra Martinez um, and Rafael Varane. They seem to have been... It's like Harry Maguire, obviously, that that's tried and tested. It's not going to work. So they've now... Pr- brought in Luke Shaw to play next to um, Victor Lindelof, which seems to have shorted up their defence a little bit more. Although Brighton were were definitely worth the win they had this morning. I watched the highlights and they had way more chances than United did. Um, But, so they've now, they're now still four points clear of Liverpool who have shot up the table. Uh, Three games or four wins in a row um, sees them on 59 points uh, from 34 games with United having 63 points off 33 games. So a game in hand, but not, we're nowhere near the momentum that I would say that Liverpool have. So I'd say, uh, and then of course you've got Brighton with two games in hand on 56 points. So um, very, very may very well um, make a case to chase them down there. But it, I, I, for how strong and confident United have been in, in in having that top four position for so long this season it is looking a little bit under threat no and what's what's more interesting is the fact that one two three being City Arsenal and you know uh, Newcastle all have four losses each yeah whereas you go to United at fourth they've got eight and Liverpool at five who have got nine losses and I don't know if I look at this and think about the games left after having a look at what Newcastle City and Liverpool have I think it's very likely that the if, if I had to put money on it I would say the top five finishes with Man City first, Arsenal second. I actually think Liverpool will finish third. Really? Newcastle fourth, and then Man City, Man United fifth. I think Newcastle will stay third, but I think, yeah, Liverpool will finish fourth and United finish fifth. I'm just like, you're watching Liverpool now, and I'm like, this is the team that I remember. Yeah, they're Not still this. a little shaky defensively, but they've got Diaz back. They're offensively, made they're firing instant on, impact. Yeah, they're firing on all cylinders. Um Another thing, just uh, to touch on, it's not really top four stuff, but Tottenham have uh, sliding very quickly down the ladder 
uh, to the to, to the delight of both of us watching expressions using videos oh, he's, every he's, week. he's a modern day philosopher honestly <laughs> it's actually incredible like I, I i think about it and i just go does this guy write down like a thousand catchphrases and he's ready to go with all of if them? it's off the cuff it's so impressive he's honestly maybe the smartest person alive if it's off the cuff yeah like it is absolutely incredible he he can sit there for a watch along for Split three down hours the middle like a divorce blood <laughs> <laughs> so, like legitimately and I, i've watched so many of these extended videos of him particularly live and he just constantly comes up with new ones and i just go how are you able to do this like you are by far the most entertaining person in football yeah like i am more interested in watching an expressions video than like half the teams playing the EPL. <laughs> honestly he is a, a savant he's a savant and he if i was bbc or any of these tv channels that are getting you know lower ratings people are you know audiences are watching they're listening to podcasts they're watching youtube these channels are sometimes got more viewers than tv how do you not give this man a show oh yeah yeah that that that, that, that armchair show they have with like where they bring on random influencers and youtubers yeah. that sky have but they're in the armchairs talking about, they should get him on for sure their ratings are sky honestly he's a like again i hate everything about tottenham but Oh, I, he's hilarious. I yeah. rate expressions. Yeah. yeah. But, they so are, <laughs> uh, but they are, to his uh, dismay, they are <laughs> sliding down the table. Uh, level on points with Aston Villa currently in seventh. And honestly, if based on form, I would say that Aston Villa probably pip them to, uh, to come the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so I could see Tottenham finishing in eighth and missing out on all European football next season, which would be a ghastly underperformance. I mean, they're in shambles. It's kind of like the... It, it's not as bad as the Chelsea situation, but it really needs a... It's like um you know when Pep says that you know sometimes you have to trade away your best players or some of your best players like what's the name of the player that ended up going to Bayern from Man City this season Cancelo unexpectedly you know one of the best top class player and he yeah. goes if you want to continue to compete at a top level over an extended period of time you have to make change and sometimes that change doesn't make sense immediately but it's about culture it's about chemistry it's about the locker room and Tottenham has to be the most stale team in the Premier League oh yeah. Like they they've should have, got to, they've got to let Kane go. They should have let him. They should have let him go already. They have to let. But the reason they haven't, and I was thinking about why not. And like, obviously, there's the stubbornness. There's Levy. We know all about that. But I think after they're, they're still reeling from that Bale transfer, and I think it's a cultural and mentality thing that they got their 80 million for Bale. They invested in three, four players who were supposed think, to be I, their I, next stars. I think stars. they're still reeling from the Champions League final loss more than the Bale transfer because the Bale transfer was 10 years ago. Well, I still feel like yeah, like I get the Champions League final loss, like fair enough. But I, I, I would put the Champions League loss in a similar bucket to Arsenal losing the league this season, where you go, congratulations for getting to a Champions League final. Mm, but I feel like they didn't set themselves up for reaching those highs to continue because like they made the Champions League final they finished second or third in the league and they finished second in the league the year after and then they went and were like alright new stadium here we go state of the art same capacity as Arsenal and City all there mm. we're like a big big club now but they didn't sign the players or play the football that like matched the environment they were playing in Totally. I mean, they have to have one of the worst scouting and player transfer departments in the entire Premier League. Like, when's the last time a player came to Tottenham and actually succeeded? Like, I was thinking about this even with Prokarlison. Like, he was yeah. good on Everton, and he is... He's the, he's the worst signing of the season. He's the flop of the season. It's actually incredible, and I was listening to, like, I don't know what it was, a TikTok maybe, and I think he scored four or five goals this season. Apparently, he's taken his top off in the celebrations so, yeah, for, he, for three of them. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's only scored one Premier League goal this season, uh, and he'd, he's, he'd scored two Premier League goals... Uh, that have been disallowed, 
uh, and then he, and then he taking his top off on both of them, and then he, <laughs> so he, 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 he and then the finally scored one that wasn't disallowed, took his top off, and then Liverpool scored two seconds later and won the game. Well, this is what I mean, and I just don't think they don't even if they sell Kane. It's a culture shift. If you're a Tottenham fan, you would have no faith in your club signing players that take you forward. So yeah. you have to put all your faith in a manager, and I don't think they. Like, which manager is going to want to go there after having play, managers like Pochettino, like Mourinho, even like Conte, who have you know succeeded at the highest levels, and they come to Tottenham and they get absolutely destroyed. Like, Tottenham is the only club I think Mourinho has managed in top-class football that hasn't won any trophies. So it's not a very appealing job. No. and you know, It's a poison chalice, for sure. You, you would really look at them and you go, your best way forward is to do the Arsenal and tear it down, sell players, even if you don't get the right value for them and you have to sell them under market rate yeah, because that's what you need because there is no way that there is a successful strategy here in place if you continue what you're if doing. You, if you think about it, it's actually quite... like The similarities in the situation compared to Arsenal back in 2006-07 and Tottenham uh, in recent years is Absolutely. quite similar. Like not quite... They don't quite align, but like Tottenham made a Champions League in 20, 2019 and uh, then got a new stadium and then have a kind of like on a downward turn. Mm-hmm. Arsenal made a Champions League final in 2006 in their last season um, in their old stadium, Highbury, and then when moved to a new stadium and things went on a downward turn. Mm. So you can say like not quite the similar because Tottenham still have finished um, in the top four for the past like three or four seasons since they, or oh, two or three seasons since they won the, lost the Champions League final. But it is similar. That there is totally. this now sort of inevitable downturn but they now have this massive stadium, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do because I think yeah, you've got to you've got you've, you've got to move Kane on like he's gonna like especially if they miss out on all European football, which they very may very well could do. It looks like it. Like I think they should just whoever manager they should sign, they should be like this is a project we're rebuilding. Roy Mason, fam. Yeah, apparently they're, in, they're apparently they're interviewing Xabi Alonso, who's a revamped by Leverkusen, oh, cool. by Leverkusen this season. Um, I think they're still talking to Julian Nagelsmann. I don't know why he would take that job. Um, and yeah, I think they sh- they need to get rid of Kane. If Son doesn't want to hang around either because he wants to play Champions League football, I would I would get rid of him too. But he might want to hang around. Um, and then yeah, like just invest the money properly. And I know that's like it's easier said than done, done but like right? yeah, I don't know because like they won't get as much money from Kane this year as they would have last year because on the last year of his contract but they'll still get you know 80 to 100 million for him so where would he even go though Man United 100% I reckon they'll get him yeah that makes sense but anyway uh, Tottenham may miss out on European football altogether and Man United may miss out on Champions League is the is the takes we're coming we're sort of offering up there um Speaky, or not speaking of anything, I don't have a good segue for this, but... Um, which one Which one are you going to? I'll think of one. Jude Bellingham. Well, Jude Bellingham is definitely not going to Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't look like he's going to go to any other Premier League team either, because uh, Fabrizio Romano has reported that uh, Real Madrid are seemingly closing in on the signature of the 19-year-old English midfielder from Borussia Dortmund in the off-season. Uh, it seemed like uh, it, was, it was only ever going to be Madrid or Man City uh, that were in for his signature because Liverpool couldn't afford it and didn't really want to afford it and Man United have uh, much more pressing needs. Um, I mean, good for him, first and foremost. Like, you know, he deserves a move to a big, big club. But, gosh, you, you, just, you just get a little bit sick of Real Madrid just like every couple of years being like, yep, we'll have that next superstar. We... Regularly disagree on this, similar to our Manchester City, but I fucking love it. 
I love it. Um, you love it, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't hate it because of like them taking the best past talent. I think that's great. I, I don't, I don't like it because I just don't really like Madrid. <laughs> well, what, what's the? What do we know? What we know so far is that they've almost agreed personal terms. Um, and they're working with um, their chief scout to sort that and they've accelerated the discussions and I think a meeting was scheduled the other day to complete a get agreement from Dortmund although no fee I don't think has been settled I'd yeah. love to know how much he'll go for like will he be the most expensive signing probably ever nah because remember how much name I went to from Bar- yeah or like even Mb- yeah yeah it could was be like a, that was like 100 it was like 212 million or something like that. But also making this announcement at this point, Real Madrid, before their game against Man City in the Champions League, like it's a very strategic... It's very strategic timing, I think, for this all to happen where it's happening. Why? Because if they lose, they can be like, oh, well, we've got Bellingham next year, so... Well, that too, but also the fact that like Borussia's... Like, aren't they closer than ever to potentially beating Bayern in the in in the league? That's a good question, actually. Um, I'll get it up. Yeah. They, I know they have been close, but I'm not sure if they've dropped off at all. I think I'm pretty sure it's like neck and neck because, but they did, yeah, so they had a lead, sixty-two points to sixty-one, both thirty games played. And who's on top? Bayern by one Oof, point. Yeah, and they've both been pretty poor. But, they, in their but last this has happened in, in recent seasons as well in the Bundesliga. Yeah, and then they Bush fly away with it. Sort of fade towards the end. But for Madrid, like there is a succession plan in place, right? Um, oh yeah, as and well like, as some short-term thinking involved with players like Tony Cruz and Modric being thirty-three and thirty-seven respectively, but. You know, unlike what we were talking about with Tottenham, another segue, um, with how poor their transfer yeah. approach and strategies have been, Madrid kit, like smacks every young player transfer out of the park. Like, I mean, different circumstances, but yeah, Different circumstances, like Camavinga, uh, Vinicius, Rodrigo, I'm going to butcher his name. Yeah, thank you. Like, these players are all world-class, and I'm not saying they weren't world-class beforehand, but similar to Man City, you put any of these players in a system, and they go from being on the cusp of world-class to world-class. And if I was Bellingham, out of all of these world-class clubs, I would want to go to Madrid too. Like, it is the easiest sale ever, Madrid, because how can you say no? They've got five Champions Leagues in eight years. No one cares whether they win the La Liga really or not. And you walk into that dressing room, you've got Modric, one of the best midfielders of all time, shaking your hand. You've got Benzema giving you a lift in his Bugatti. And then you've got Ancelotti lighting you a cigar. Like, how could you not? And to then reflect on why he's not going to England, I think there's a lot of, if you're a player in his position, there is so much turbulence right now with essentially every English club other than Man City. And I'm not including Arsenal because he's not coming to Arsenal. But like Liverpool, old like they're they're relatively old. I don't really see a succession plan clearly in place. I don't think they've got a vision for five years that like your general punter or soccer fan can tell you that they're going to be, you know, as good as they are now in five years. You've got Manchester United with the Glazers selling the club, a lot of turbulence there. So really, it was either Man City or Madrid. And if I was him, I'd go to Madrid. Yeah, no, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think with Liverpool as well, like they 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 i think liverpool realized that like spending 100, 120 to 150 million on one player when they've got so many pressing needs and need to sign more than one midfielder is not smart business like they can i think i think they they should and they will spend the money that they would have spent on bellingham on three or four players and i think that's a much better idea i think idea. that's a smarter move too yeah because i think they're linked to McAllister, linked to Caicedo, linked to a bunch of other players i think to gravenberch from bayern like Liverpool need to sign a multitude of players. They may not have a plan. Like, yeah, like you, I, I'm not 100% sure what the rebuild plan is, but it, it, like the first step into rebuilding is not 
signing, not using up all your transfer funds on a player like Bellingham, as good as he could be. But yeah, uh, for Madrid, I think, unlike Tottenham, they have the benefit of uh, being Real bloody Madrid. You know, they've got that pool. Everyone wants to play for Real Madrid at least once. No one really wants to play for Tottenham. <laughs> um, at least not, you know, people that want to reach the heights, heights, heights of their careers. And Bellingham is a player that can, you know, in 15 years' time when we're looking back, could be arguably one of the best midfielders of all time. I, like, like, I'm not saying he's going to reach that, but like that, that's some of the potential we're seeing. You know, captaining Dortmund at 19. Yeah, and, you know, there's a, there Oh, his was, brother plays. You know, we were talking earlier about Bellingham sibling. Yeah, that's yeah. a sibling couple. Yeah. Um, and like you look, there was a the statistical comparison I saw on Instagram the other day, but it was like he was, except for all, all but one stat, he was uh, comparing him to the other four Real Madrid midfielders, all but one stat, he was first in every other stat. That's wild. Um, so then, and then even once, like Cruz and uh, Modric are signing on for one more year to probably like help with the, the handover. But then once they're gone, you look at Real Madrid midfield, Chuameni, Camavinga, Valverde, and uh, Bellingham, all under all twenty four or younger. That is that like that 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 when you think of like the old school Real Madrid like Galacticos, like mm. this is the modern day version of that. Totally, and also players that I would argue, you know, like the Galactico, they were all world class players brought in, right? Like Zidane, like Beckham, these players, like Figo. Whereas I don't think everyone. Like, there's no way to describe these players like Vinicius and Camavinga as those kind of names before they joined Real Madrid. No, like, they, they bought, like, Real Madrid saw potential and bought it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. And, like, they me. paid top dollar for some of it because Chuameni and Camavinga, oh, like, Camavinga was so while they were, like, you know, 21, 22, 20, like, they were still tearing it up in the French League. Yeah, French and, league. like, regardless of it being the French League, when you're, tw- when you're 20 and 21 and tearing it up that much in a league, that... I can, they, they, everyone kind of knew that they were the next big thing. Vinicius, I, Vinicius is. In, I think I have to credit Real Madrid scouting team because when they bought him, he was like seventeen, and yeah. then he also he's been there for like three years now, or four years, and he's still like he, he came into this being so raw, like one of the best one-on-one dribblers in the world. But like mm. his end product was like not garbage, but like not good. Like, he was just he would get into shooting positions and just botch the shot. Or he would just like miss the pass. But now you look at it, playing playing in the they've just kept him in the first team for two years, and now he's, I in my opinion, the best left winger in the world. Oh, I don't think anyone would doubt that. What's yeah. interesting about Bellingham though is like obviously being English, and I'm sort of second guessing myself by thinking that the similar situation or the similar sell would have been done by Real Madrid. But with Liverpool's team aging, living in England. I'm sure they sold Liverpool to him as like, you are going to be the next talisman. Like what Salah is, you're going to be everything Salah is, but bigger and better because you're English and 19 and you're going to be here for the rest of your career and you're going to be, you know, a Liverpool legend by the time you leave. And then he still picked, or it looks like he's going to pick Real Madrid, but they probably made a similar case to him because they've got Cruz and Modric and the, you know... Yeah, they'll be like, you'll be, they'll, they'll be like, you'll be an integral piece in our midfield for the next 10 years. Yeah, and you're going to win six Champions Leagues by the yeah. time you retire and you might not win one at Liverpool, so... Yeah, because there's also a very real possibility that in two or three years, Real Madrid, uh, once Benzema's done, Real Madrid go out and go, Haaland or Mbappe, one of you two come here. I think that might happen sooner for Haaland. I mean, Mbappe than we think. Yeah, true. PSG's falling apart a bit. PSG's falling apart a bit and I think Mbappe made a horrible... And again, horrible career decision, like the money, like he's getting paid probably three times more than he ever would at Real Madrid mm. because of the contract structure he's got and he's like invested in the team and he's like a president or some shit. But 
surely if you're Mbappe and you've, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's won a World Cup. I know he's quite a strange individual personality wise. Like we've heard some weird stories about yeah. him and like how he like bosses the, the, the change room and how you see when he hasn't got the ball, how he's so frustrated. He's like Ronaldo, but worse. But surely when you're at those levels of success and you are world-class, you see players like Haaland doing what he's doing. You see Benzema doing this and you so slowly start to realize that you're falling out of that discussion because you're playing for PSG and it's not going well. You're not having any Champions League success. Especially when you consistently keep failing in the Champions League. Exactly. And even, you know, even Ligue 1 because they didn't win that, which is a disaster for them, right? True. Like, well, yeah. The year before last, yeah, yeah. So I see him moving to a Barcelona even or a Real Madrid sooner than we might expect. Yeah, I'm actually surprised Lewandowski that, has had as incredible of a season as he did going on another I mean, topic. I'm not. If, like, him, and, him and Benzema are just defying age at this point. Incredible. Um, but I, yeah, I do think that Madrid are setting themselves up to be really, really good in midfield and they're already pretty good in defence. And all they need in a year or two is a fresh new striker and then they'll be... Once again, the once again, probably the best team in the world. Um, but yeah, um, at least I'm also kind of to finish on this Bellingham thing. I'm just kind of glad that it's kind of being almost finalized before the off season's even started, so we don't have this constant back and forth about where he's going to go because that just gets tiring. Um, but I do believe it, like the figure will be in excess of 120 million. A lot of lot of bands, fam. 10 band, 50 band, 100 band. Fuck it, man. It's just not even discussing, man. Little drag reference for those listening. FYI. <laughs> uh, finally, let's move on to and finish with the Champions League semifinals that will be played next Wednesday and Thursday morning Australia time. Um, well, these first legs will be played. Um, so I'm going to press you for, or not press you, I'm going to ask you for how you think the first leg is going to go and then how you think the tie is going to go Ooh. all up. We'll start with the Milan games because we want to finish on Man City Real Madrid. So Inter Milan versus AC Milan, both legs being played in, in the Milan. San Siro. That's pretty cool. Uh, no, so no real home and away advantage except for maybe the colour of the banners. Um, Makes all the difference. Yeah. It's like Lakers playing Clippers again. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the playoffs. At, at Nothing changes. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you had to ask me the, like how this game was going to go before the quarterfinals, I would have said AC Milan looked more convincing. But I don't know. Like Inter Milan did very well against the Benfica team that I thought for sure would beat Inter. But then AC Milan did pretty well against uh, beat, Serie beat, beat champions. Serie A champions in Napoli. So, yeah, I, I've, I'm not really sure. I, my, my gut is saying AC Milan, but for no real reason. What's interesting too is that AC Milan and Inter were both matched on points until last weekend when, where AC Milan dropped points to like Cremonese who are like in relegation zone. So now they're two points behind Inter in the table. Not that either of them are going to win as you mentioned because Napoli did. So they've both faced each, they've faced each other three times this year and Inter's won two. Mm. Uh, however, Milan, I think, have a greater history in the Champions League and understand the moment a little more and have, I think, players also that have been in the moment a little more. Uh, I think AC Milan will win it. Um, I think I think the reason they're doing so well is they've got just these dynamic and explosive players like Brahim Diaz on the left, then you've got Liao on the right. Yeah, and just bit, Liao could be the X factor. They're just like, they're just really edgy. And, you know, you've even got Giroud up front and you go, how can a player like Giroud be playing in the semi? How can he be starting for a semi-final Champions League team? 
but they're just overall good attacking players who know their role and they can also defend really well. Like they've had five clean sheets out of their last six Champions League games. I think them signing the goalkeeper Manyan when Donnarumma left for mm, uh, PSG was a really good piece of business. He's been sensational in all the Champions League games that I've watched them play. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think they just, they're more dynamic, I think is the word, mm. than Inter. Like Inter, very, very good defensively and can just and they maybe in to do what they did to AC Milan, who uh, do what they did to Benfica, which is another team that had dynamic players, and into just sort of like defended them out of the game, and then um, just when they had their moments were clinical. But I, I feel like Benfica may not have been ready for what Inter was going to throw at them. I think AC Milan probably will be. Um, this isn't like based off a huge amount of City knowledge, just based off how I've watched them play in the Champions League. But yeah, I. I, I I just think there's more people that can make something happen in the AC Milan team mm. than there is in the Inter team. But again, it's pretty close. It's amazing how both teams have like a out of their prime center forward being into with Dzeko who's playing every game for them and playing well. And then you've got Giroud for AC Milan who are yeah. probably both at very similar stages of their careers yeah. and both probably would never have visioned at their age and where they are at their careers to be starting for semi-final Champions League teams. Like, yeah. It's pretty incredible. Both kind of criminally underrated players throughout their career. That's oh, yeah, well. absolutely. But even you look at inter-squad, and I think this is also a reflection of just Serie A and the financial woes that their teams have had and also makes it incredible that two Italian teams have made it to the top four Champions League teams. But like Inter's throwing a squad out there with players like Dzeko, Mkhitaryan, uh even to a sense like Brozovic, who these guys are like, you could even argue like five years out of their prime and still winning games and winning Champions League rounds of 16s and quarterfinals against very good opponents. So it, it, it's very impressive considering the the age, the potential, where these players are at in their careers. They're somehow banded together and made it work to the point that they've gotten into Champions League semifinals. I think it just like, you, you just got to point it to like, I think just managerial is really well-drilled. Very well drilled. Both teams. Yeah. Both teams. Although I will say, like outside of Napoli, who is a is a good team, but like maybe didn't play that well in the game against in the games mm. against AC Milan. Both teams haven't had like, like it's there is a credit, absolute credit to where they are, but they haven't had like a super hard run where they've like upset a big team. You know what I mean? Like Inter beat Porto and then Benfica, AC Milan beat Spurs. And then Napoli. It's not like they, you know, either of them knocked off a Bayern or knocked off a PSG or knocked off a, you know, someone else. Completely agree, and that's why. But it's still impressive. But that's why we're saying that um, no matter which one of these Italian teams come out, they're not they're not going to win the. It don't matter. Team. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, okay. So uh, to wrap up the, this half of the draw, um, first leg, which is technically the AC Milan home game, who's one nil AC, and then overall. I think overall, I think one game will be a draw. And I think AC Milan will pull one game out. And I don't think it will be a high score. So line. no extra time or penalties in the second No, leg? I think it will be like 1-0, one 1-0. Nil, one nil. So 2-1 over... Okay, great. Yeah, I like that. I, I'm probably going to... I reckon I'm going to go 2-1 in the first leg. And 1-0 uh, in the second. Because they haven't I, been... I, I, I think there will be a few more goals just because people don't expect there to be goals. Because um, they haven't been very high-scoring games, right? Like, no, oh haven't. well, no. Inter Be- and Benfica was three all, right? Yeah. But then Napoli Milan was one all, and then in the first leg it was one nil. Yeah. And in the first leg, Inter actually beat Benfica two nil, and then it was three three. So Inter's been scoring and conceding goals, whereas Milan's been barely scoring but also not conceding to five clean yeah. sheets in six games. 
So it'll be interesting to see whether it goes more goals or less goals, considering yeah. both teams are coming from a. But very I, I, I do like your take of it being one one game win and one game draw. I, again, like you never really want to vote for penalties, so I never really or extra time. But I, I, I'm going to go full ninety both games, Milan to win three two on aggregate. You're going two one. Um, all right, the 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 big one, the big the, the biggest two legged tie of the season, uh, Man City versus Real Madrid. The first game. Uh, the, the first leg is in Madrid. It's just such a Fuck. fascinating matchup, man. Like, like, oh, it's just like it's just the pièce de résistance of European <laughs> football. Like, it's amazing. If um, you're a soccer fan, you have to be watching. Yeah, this game. yeah. Like, I've never, I've never, in, never, not all season except for like, I, yeah, even more than the Arsenal City game because I, I was so nervous. As diehard Arsenal fans, I completely agree. I with was, I'm matches. more excited to get up and watch this game than I. To me, this is as close of a club game as you would get to the World Cup final. Oh, yeah. Like, there is no... Cl- it just sucks it's not in the final. Yeah, it does suck. I hate suck. that. It does suck. Um, well, look, Madrid would be probably hoping for a better result than their 2-0 loss to Real Sociedad the other day. Yeah. Um, but matches with Madrid have tended to be sort of these high-goal, engaging encounters with heaps of goals. Like, I think... Yeah, over well, the last six the, clashes. Well, you look at the the four three against City no. in uh, in extra time. Last, last six clashes, twenty goals recorded for the both sides combined. When Madrid's playing someone, so it's an average of like three point five goals per game, and twelve of those have been yeah. So twenty goals and twelve from Real Madrid. But that's like that's a huge amount of goals being scored. Mm. Um, and then on the Man City side, well. I mean, we know where Man City is at the moment. They've bloody they're averaging, had, they're averaging like three goals a game at the moment, and they've yeah. only had four goals conceded in six games. Yeah. So whereas Real Madrid, and you look at the quality of some of the goals that they've conceded, oh. like like the goals that Fulham scored against them, like that was that was incredible. Like uh, the way he like brought that down and volleyed it, um, and then I can't even remember the goal that Arsenal scored, but I'm assuming it was. Oh yeah, the that was, I mean very unexpected. Rob holding Falstrom from a corner. <laughs> When I'm when they're games that are this close, and again I'm not a betting man, but I like to look at what the betting odds are just to like see if my opinion is like validated by like the statistics and the algorithms that go into betting. Yeah. And the most, the lowest, the best odds are for Man City to actually walk away with a one nil win. Oh really? Which I thought. Was I'm just surprising. saying that the odds for them to win it are better than Real Madrid or a draw. So. I in my heart think Real Madrid will win this. Really. Tie. Oh, in this tie? No, oh, I think oh. they'll come out into the final. They'll oh, really? Man City really? You, said you, yeah, yeah. You, you think Man City won't make it the whole way? No, I'm thinking Madrid will still get above them. Just with the, like, again, I think the, the they mentality... They seem to have some sort of Champions League hoodoo as well. Yeah, and the, the fact that they've won five in eight, Manchester City's never won it. And yes, these players are world-class, as has been shown in the Premier League of late with Man City. But I think the, the sort of professionalism and the, the Real Madrid mentality of we've been here, we've done it, we've beat everyone before means something when the teams are this good on paper. I, I I agree with you, almost all, all to a point. The, the difference, I think, and like I know it's an easy point to make, the difference is Erling Haaland. Yeah. I think it was so close uh, last season without Erling Haaland. They like took him to extra time, and it was like, yes, a five-minute moment of madness that let them back into the game, and they were 3-1 up. Um, I just think City... A, I don't reckon that moment of madness happens two seasons in a row for Man City and B there's just that extra bit of like whatever like it doesn't even need to be an amazing goal but like Erling Haaland just finds the back of the net and I just think that when you need a goal 
he'll get you a goal element of his game mm. is just what will be the difference I don't know if, even if it's just one goal or even if it's just like you know when he has a penalty you're almost certain he's going to score it just because, he's, because he's just he's, his technique on penalties is amazing so I just think that he, he's going to be the difference he, like whether, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't even necessarily need to score like he, did, like he didn't, didn't up until the 94th minute against yeah. Arsenal it was his, him facilitating I think yeah him and De Bruyne are usually always step up in big games and I think now that De Bruyne has got a player like Haaland to feed, I think those two will similarly like 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 I think Real Madrid obviously won't sit down and take it like Arsenal did. But yeah, I think Haaland's going to be the deciding factor. Um, and I think I, th- I I think the first leg might be a draw, but the second leg. City will win. I'm going to say City will win by two goals wow. in the second leg. It's crazy to think that we're talking about two of the best teams of all time, both from like a club prestige and a current form perspective. And we're saying that it will turn on a 21-year-old's yeah. boot. I mean, yeah, but that's the thing. Like when Messi was 21, he was winning the Ballon d'Or. So like, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not like something new to talk about how tw- like a person as young as 21 to be the difference in the game but yes it's, it's incredible to think about for sure I'm not even going to bother to predict scores because it means like I've got no idea what yeah, the scores no. will be but I think Real Madrid will edge You're gonna, let's just go results I'm saying draw first leg City win by two goals second leg I'm thinking 2-1 Real Madrid the first leg and like 1-0 for Madrid the second leg really? Yeah. you think City don't score in one of the I'm legs? just like every time I watch Madrid play when they need to play yeah, yeah, yeah. like I know they're nowhere near they're not going to win La Liga this season because Barca's just killed them they're like already ahead by like 12 points like it's already over and Atletico's actually second and Madrid's third I just don't think they care anymore because they know La Liga means shit and all they care about is the Champions League and I think Man City being obviously still in a title race for the EPL, I think that mentality will lead Real Madrid to I care about I think Man City more. could give two shits about winning the title. Yeah, but the treble stuff plays on them. Yeah, but I, I think this is the big one. Like, they've won the this FA Cup, the they've biggest, won the league. Yeah, this like, is the biggest game of their the, season. The, the, the Champions League is, where it is, is what they care about. I think there was even like a B-reel that Jack Grealish posted the other day. It's like on their... Well, like I saw of the that. Champions yeah, League yeah. on their wall being like, what's our goal? And what? It's like this. It's the cup, right? It's it was the, like, it's the yeah. Champions League cup, yeah. I'm going with history here yeah that's fair no, I, I, it's good that we disagree agree. I like that we disagree um, so yeah you're, you're going to watch it live yeah absolutely wouldn't miss it I'll come over alright sounds good this will be the one game I get up for at 5am this yeah. year yeah um, alright so yeah you've heard it here first guys Woody thinks City are winning Rezik thinks uh, Real Madrid are winning whoever oh no because we're watching the games I was going to say you have to buy the other one breakfast when we watch the second leg maybe we can predict who wins the first leg and then for the second leg whoever wins whoever loses has to buy the Lebanese pies that we usually get for games oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds good alright so you think Man City will win the first leg no I think it'll be a draw oh well then who's going to buy the pies I just think it's just overall tie <laughs> oh okay and then we just owe it to whoever yeah, the next yeah, game we watch yeah, done yeah. for right. the final so we've got we've got a, a A1 Bakery slash um, what's the one Al Alami slash, yeah, slash, slash Tibet uh, wager on, on our hands here um, Lebanese cuisine and Wilbur can for pick it up not for informed. us <laughs> uh, yeah but yes that's, that, that's the results we're picking you've heard it here first uh, and that'll bring us to a close as we enter our uh, 60th minute of uh, the episode um, thank you once again Rezik for filling in always a pleasure too easy um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us uh, talk to you about all that's going on in uh, English and uh, I guess by extension European football at the moment 
As always, if you've liked what you've heard, uh, follow us on Spotify, give us a five-star rating, follow us on, um, it's just the 40-yard switch, and follow us on Instagram, 40yardswitch.pod. We post an Instagram story every time we post an episode, so if you want to keep up to date, that's how. Uh, Yep, but without further ado, we'll see you next week.